Saw a funny tweet. Odyssey Rewind, go back, listen to the last hour. We talk about Ahmed Rosario being dealt to the Dodgers for Noah Syndergaard. Jeff goes, if the Guardian straight traded Ahmed and only got Thor, who makes more money than this trade, was entirely the same as the Pena scene in Moneyball. They traded him so Tito can't play him at shortstop anymore. I don't think he's wrong. I, I th- There might be a part of this where the front office was like, listen, Tito, you keep putting him in the two slot. You keep playing him instead of the guys we want you to play. The, so you're getting all these guys experience and value and everything else. We just got to take matters into our own hands. I've never felt more like there was a disconnect between what is going on with the front office and what is going on with Tito on a day-to-day baseball than the entire time I've been talking about the Guardians. 2016, go back there. And I know things were sunshine and rainbows at certain points because they made it to the World Series. Obviously, the pitching staff fell apart at the end of the season, and it wasn't supposed to be that good of a run, but you go in the five-game set against Boston, you win that one, then Toronto, and then all of a sudden you're in the World Series against the Cubs. It's a good little stretch to be on. But I've never seen the front office and Tito seem like they're at such a a disagreement. But you can see why Ahmed Rosario was the perfect Tito-type player and maybe not as much the perfect front office-type player. He he roadblocked different players from being able to play and get at-bats. But for Tito, he's best friends with Jose Ramirez, good locker room guy, could slot him in the two-hole and didn't have to worry about it. All right. Odyssey Rewind, go back and listen. We'll get Daryl's thoughts on that as we go out to our beat reporter, Daryl Ryder, as always sponsored by Shop and Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store, and these special reports from the Greenbrier are brought to you by Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram of Willoughby. Hello, Daryl. How are we doing tonight? Good, JP. How are you? Good. I'm at Rosario, traded to the Dodgers. Uh, your instant reaction to the deal? Yeah, I mean, uh, I agree with you. It's all about uh, getting him out of here so they can get some of these young Miller infielders uh, they're log jammed in the pipeline, some some playing time, and, and see what they have there at the big league level. And then also, too, I mean, look, starting rotation has just been annihilated by injury this year. So, um, you know, uh, Syndergaard's got like an ERA of like seven at this point, but uh, he is an arm, and um, you know, these are the these are the type of moves that the you know the Guardians kind of have to to, to make to keep themselves, uh, you know, competitive. And they're going to hang around this uh, divisional race through the rest of the year. We'll see if they're ultimately able to uh, overcome some of their deficiencies this year and, and, and win the thing and get back in the tournament. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's uh, fairly obvious that uh, this team uh, probably needs, uh, similar to Bo Naylor, right, uh, early in this season, fans were calling for him. And then they finally made the move there. So this, this move kind of reminds me a little bit. Yeah. Uh, of, of that situation. I agree with that. More importantly, how was the bunker? Did it live up to everything you thought? It did. And get, are you ready yeah. for this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Cleveland Browns were using the bunker. Oh? The, yeah, so the, uh, the front part of the bunker uh, is now used for meeting conference-type space. Oh, I thought you were going to say Kevin Stefanski to dodge people that were ripping him all day. Okay. <laughs> sure. Early no. hideout for him. But, uh, you know, when Kevin Stefanski talks about having a bunker mentality, who knew he was so literal about it? <laughs> I know, right? So the, the front part of the bunker is being used by the Browns. I thought- yeah, it, it, it was. I got to tell you, it was a fascinating tour. Uh, I certainly do not work for the Greenbrier, and I'm not your uh, West Virginia tour guide. But, you know, if you do have a, an opportunity and you're down here visiting, uh, it, it, it's a pretty cool thing to check out. Uh, thank God it was never, ever 
put to use, but it is, uh, you know, it is fascinating uh, how they constructed something like that, uh, hid it in plain sight for nearly three decades uh, before the Washington Post revealed it. And uh, one of the misnomers about it, though, uh, it was not built to be able to take a direct hit from a nuclear blast. It was built to be a shelter uh, from a, basically a fallout shelter uh, from uh, the aftermath of uh, a nuclear blast. And they had individual rooms, one for the House and one for the Senate, kind of like mini chambers, if you will. Hmm. Uh, we, got to, we got to see the, the bunk area. We saw the decontamination areas, uh, how, they powered, how they powered the thing, uh, independent of the Greenbrier Resort. Um, yeah, it, it was it was a really, really as a history buff like I am. It was a really fascinating experience to take that in today. Man, that part of history is wild. They legitimately were just wondering whether or not the whole thing was going to get blown up at any given point. You know, what was funny is not funny. I should I should I shouldn't speak in those terms. But what's, I guess, interesting to me is how I'll put it. Mm-hmm. Remember growing up? The, the little metal desks, right? The, 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 the four legs, basically. It's a you know, bent metal bar each side. Yeah, then yeah, you yeah. have your little, your little metal cubby tub and then the, you know, the, the, the fold down top or whatever. Like, <laughs> right, just get underneath those. Yeah, just get underneath yeah, those and you'll yeah. be fine. That's, that's, like, gotcha. I, so they were playing, they were playing one of the, the things, uh, the, the ambiance of uh, the, the tour in the background was playing the, uh, the instructions in the event of a, uh, a, a, a nuclear attack, right? You know, what you should do, curl up in a ball, cover your head, hide under a desk. <laughs> I'm like, that's not going to save you. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> to like, you know, think that back then this is what, uh, <laughs> it doesn't. It makes you wonder if they knew it wasn't going to help at all. But if they could convince people that they at least had some plan, that was better than no plan. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, I that was just an just... all optimism move. They're like, listen, yeah. no one's going to challenge this. It'll be fine. But we'll just we'll just pretend like we're doing something. Half the battle's pretending yeah. like you're doing something, Daryl. Yeah, but you know, uh, so I didn't know this. One the, the one of the golf courses here on the property mm-hmm. was the old runway. Oh, that's cool. It used to be a runway uh, so that planes could, you know, fly folks in the train station uh, to, to, to bring people from Washington up from like Washington, D.C. It's literally right across the street uh, from the Greenbrier. So, yeah. And, and uh, um, you know, the, the architecture, that thing, uh, that place is incredible. Um, but everywhere you look, there's historical photographs of, you know, presidents, world leaders, celebrities athletes um bumped into a couple of browns as i was leaving the tour today as they were headed back to the bunker on their day off for lunch but uh, yeah it's uh it, it is a really uh, neat experience the morning show was asking daryl and I, I don't know if you're privy to this information or not so if you're not just don't worry about it but they were they were wondering whether or not the the browns players are able to have their families on site is that are they there's or no? a couple there's a there's, there's a couple of families here but uh it's not that i, I don't know why a big deal is being made of this um yeah, there have been a couple of families, and I'm not going to say who that I, I have spotted uh, watching practice. I, you know, I've I've, I, I've seen players out and about. Uh, whatever. I just don't. I just I don't understand why that's such a big deal. No, I don't either. I just I think it was interesting because it was. I for, well, I'm in the camp. I, I believe like Aaron Rodgers does, where a lot of this stuff at this part of the season, it's good for bonding, sure, but a lot of this stuff is. 
It's not it's not the biggest deal long term. It just isn't. Yeah. So yeah, I just whatever. Okay. <laughs> I, I, it's 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 unimportant to me to be honest with you. Uh, Dan Patrick made a speech earlier today, and and we'll, I'll play it for the listeners coming up in about fifteen minutes or so. But one of the, there's a couple takeaways he had. He was getting on Deshaun Watson for blaming the media, which I think was a I think it was a it very was the, fair, absolutely fair. And I'll be honest with you, there's a reason I didn't I I, I there's a reason I didn't write that the Deshaun is a changed man story hmm. this week. I don't know he's a changed man. How the hell do I know? What, what did he say that makes to say that? You know what I'm saying? So um, I, I just, yeah, I'm not I, great. He's in a good headspace and mental, you know, all that kind of stuff. And he's able to focus on football and, and he's got chemistry fine, but yeah, I, I'm not going out there and, and putting out there that Deshaun Watson is a changed man just because he says so, or just because, you know, uh, you know, members of the organization say you got to demonstrate it. You get, you got to be a little more expansive than, I mean, Hey, Hey, Jonathan, guess what? You know, I, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm a changed man right now. I just want you to know that. <laughs> I, for your own personal self, then, how how long would it take for you to then buy that he is changed? Well, no, I mean, it just it needs to be a little more. My, my point is, is you need to be a little more introspective in your comments and expansive in your comments than just to say you're you're a changed man. And then also to blame the media for the narrative. The media is not to blame for the narrative, okay? There were over two dozen lawsuits uh, that were filed uh, with extensive uh, detail as to why they were filed, yes, they were allegations. A hundred percent get it. But the NFL certainly found that there was wrongdoing because an eleven game suspension was served, a five million dollar fine had to be paid, and you know uh, there were other stipulations uh, attached to, to his uh, playing eligibility going forward. So, um, you know, I, I just, uh, you know, I, I hope he is. Uh, you know, uh, certainly am not rooting against him. I don't have any, uh, you know, I don't have any bias against him. But, yeah, I, I just think it's premature to start writing that, you know, writing these uh, glowing pieces about how Deshaun Watson is a changed man after this experience without getting any detail on what has changed for him, how he may or may not have altered his uh, behavior uh, and, and things like that. You know what I'm saying? Cause yeah. I just, I mean, I, I do, I do feel like that that's, you know, important. And again, that, that is not me expressing bias against him. It's, it's just reality. Um, you know, so I, I hope he is, I, you know, I, I do uh, hope that he, uh, you know, is, um, uh, you know, sincere in the work that he, everyone says he has put in, uh, uh away from football and, um, you know, uh, the Browns need him to be successful on the field as well. It's really hard to show that you've changed when you've taken no culpability because in his mind he hasn't done anything wrong. So it's hard to – like Michael Vick, for instance, we can see the changes he made because right. it, was, it was all right there, you know. Well, he, and I, it's, 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 just, it's really tough for Deshaun to do that when he doesn't actually believe he did anything wrong. Well, and I'm go- I, I will pause you there and defend him momentarily there. There are still two cases pending in civil court he may not be able to take that public culpability right now for legal reasons. So yeah. I'm not, I, so I, well, I'm I, saying, will, I think that would help. I think that would right. help overall with people having an understanding whether he has right. or hasn't. When this, let's put it this way, when this is all resolved, right. When it, when these two cases are resolved, whether that's through the trial or a settlement process or whatever, right. Whenever this is completely done, um, if he is able to come out and apologize and 
it, you know, I, I think you can apologize without admitting guilt publicly, right? Um, but uh, um, I think if he's able to do that then, then yeah, I think we can have the conversations about how, uh, you know, it ha- th- this situation and these allegations have impacted him, how they have made him uh, a better person, how they have, uh, you know, had him uh, change his alleged behavior, uh, because that's what it is. It is alleged behavior um, and, and whatnot. Then, then we can, you know, have these conversations about being a changed man. I just feel like right now it's premature to have those because, again, we just we, we, we don't have a lot of candor coming from him yet. And I do believe that, uh, you know, part of that has to do with the ongoing legal process. Daryl, fantastic insight. Appreciate you giving us a few minutes and uh, enjoy your time in West Virginia.